The Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's Carrie here. I hope our time together today helps you thrive in life and leadership. So glad you joined us. Thank you so much. For those of you who are new, welcome. Really glad to have you here. Make sure you subscribe. And if this episode helps you, share it with a friend. We really appreciate it when you do that. Well, we have John Eldridge back on the podcast, and we are going to talk about resilience and why you still feel so depleted and the surprising signs of trauma. This episode is brought to you by Tithely. You can get access to free resources to help you grow generosity at your church, ask for financial partnership, and teach on stewardship by going to increasegenerosity.com. And by Convoy of Hope, you can help the war victims in Ukraine by going to convoyofhope.org slash donate. Well, I was excited to have John Eldridge back and learn some stuff in this conversation. For example, you know, what are the signs of trauma? He thinks we've all been through a collective trauma, and some of them are really surprising. Why most of us feel so depleted and a little bit disoriented, and we talk about a lot, a lot more as well. John Eldridge is a best-selling author and counselor. He's also president of Wild at Heart, a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God and recover their own hearts in God's love. He and his wife, Stacy live near Colorado Springs, Colorado, and uh, well, it's a really great conversation. So what I'd love to know, and you can s- send me an email at carrie at is what you're doing this summer to really regenerate yourself. I think this is going to be a, uh, if you're listening to this in real time anyway, you know, some of you, you'll hear this in 2025 as you go back into the archive, which is fine. But if you're listening in the summer of 2022, I think this is dividing line. And, you know, the world is in not a pause moment. It's still very unstable. But this fall, you have a shot at really coming back strong. And I want to see what you're doing about that. So let me know on social. I'm Kerry Newhoff on Instagram, C. Newhoff on other platforms. And you can also send me an email, Kerry at kerrynewhoff.com. And also want to know, have you checked out my new daily podcast, The Art of Leadership Daily? It's a little, not hour, hour and a half podcast, but 10 minutes or less, where we take an excerpt from one of these episodes, play it back for you. It's like leadership in real time for you. Check it out. And make sure you check out Tithely. Pastors, you know that the health of your church largely relies on the generosity of your members, and these are wobbly economic times. But helping your church learn the importance of generosity isn't simple. So Tithely is a free tool that helps churches increase generosity through digital giving. And now, Tithely has put together a free resource kit to help church leaders do fundraising better. So this is a no-cost, easy-to-download kit. Here's what it includes. A five-step plan for building a culture of recurring giving at your church, probably the most important thing you can have if you want a stable financial base. A guide for fundraising for 2022, a bumper video for a sermon on generosity, and a whole lot more. These resources can help you grow generosity at your church, ask for true financial partners, and even teach on stewardship. So it's a special offer only for listeners of this podcast. That's it. So if you want it, you can get it for free. Go to increasegenerosity.com. That's increasegenerosity.com. Only on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure you head on over and get it. And our friends at Convoy of Hope are making a massive difference in the Ukraine, and you can too. So to date, Convoy of Hope has served over 100,000 individuals. Think about that. That's like a massive football stadium full of 
people who needed help. They're actively serving by distributing supplies in eight countries, not just Ukraine, but Romania, Poland, Moldova, Bulgaria, Slovakia, Hungary, and Austria, places you and your organization just can't be, but Convoy of Hope is there. So when you donate to Convoy of Hope, you give to things like food, hygiene supplies, baby supplies, medical supplies, blankets, beddings. And if you and your church want to help, you and your business want to help, you and your team want to help, go to convoyofhope.org slash donate. That's convoyofhope.org slash donate. So let's dive into this conversation about resilience. Here is my conversation with John Eldridge. John, it's so good to have you back. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks, Carrie. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's really good to see you. And I'm looking forward to catching up. So in addition to your work as a best-selling author and uh, the president of Wild at Heart Ministries, you've counseled thousands of people. And I'd love to know, <laughs> you know, everything we've been through, and I think we last talked a year or so ago, what are you learning about the human soul in this season? Yeah, people are very tapped out, very tapped out. And, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. but. Um, we've just been through collectively two years of global trauma. And it's just kind to name it and mm. go, look, folks, I mean, this is, you take people through high stress situations with no finish line in sight, and you keep changing their normal and you take away the things they enjoy. It's traumatizing. Okay. And, and so we, in order to, overcome even good things, birth of a child, a wedding, you tap into your reserves. So we all tapped into our reserves in order to rally for the pandemic. And you think about leadership. I mean, come on, because the leaders, they had to keep a, they had to keep a smile on their face and they had to keep esprit de corps and churches had to figure out how to do everything over again online and mass, no mass, and the tensions and the, all that. So we're now in a state where we think the pandemic's behind us. We think it's all, you know, it's kind of in the rear view mirror. And people are trying to act like, hey, we're good now, right? We got restaurants back. You can travel and go to concerts. We're good. And, and I'm going, wait, wait, like, like, you don't understand the cascade effect of this kind of a thing. You get two years of that, it's going to have a long cascade in the human condition. And so what I'm seeing right now is pretty severe levels of depletion. And, and I, I thought I was crazy on this for a while, but I literally, today, I brought in three people, mature, um, people who live reasonably, they understand good soul practices, rhythm of life, that sort of thing. And I just wanted to ask them, how are you doing? What, what's your condition these days? Talk to me about your reserves. And every single one, all three of them are like, oh, I think I'm at about 40%. My functional right now. But the crazy carry is that the world is, is acting like we're back and we're mm. fine. You mentioned reserves, which is really interesting. And I'd love to know, like, you know, reserves assumes if you're a gas tank in a car, right? Bat or a battery in a phone. It's like, okay, I was at 100% and now I'm down to 28. I doubt that people were at 100% in 2020, right? Like you look at our reserves, we were 
were we running on fumes before that? What yes. what is and and you know so I'd love your comment on that and then what is the prognosis for long term stress or long term trauma? What should what should maybe let's start with the signs? Like what are the signs that yes. you're at twenty eight percent? Because I think a lot of us want to fool ourselves into thinking I'm fine, like I'm yes. I'm okay, I'm doing great, but inside there's something ticking. Yeah, exactly. It's like a bad vacation, you know, and the family doesn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> and everybody's got those stories, uh-huh, right, uh-huh. where they're like, just don't talk about that one, you know, yeah. back in 98. Just don't talk about <laughs> it. <clears throat> That's what we're trying to do now. Um, but here, yeah, so you asked a couple questions. So Yeah, it was a poorly formed last question. Time you and, <laughs> it, well, it, was, it was awesome. Last time you and I chatted, yeah. we were talking about the pace of modern life. And this was pre-pandemic that we were talking about, hey, people are beginning to really burn out just at what we, you know, the pace of life, the amount of technology, the high level of output. You know, we live in an achievement culture. So if you're not constantly achieving, you you live with guilt and and shame. Mm. And you got to, you know, you got to just keep the pedal to the metal. So that was pre-pandemic. So the answer is yes. We came into the pandemic already severely depleted. And then we tapped into our remaining reserves to rally and to educate our kids at home or to work from the kitchen table on Zoom and, you know, everything that everybody had to do. And now I do think we are going to see, well, here's some of the symptoms. So what is with all of the airline passenger incidents? Yeah. Right? So in a pre-pandemic, there were 10 a month globally. So you think that's a lot of traveling. That's really, that's a lot of really well-behaved people. 10 incidents a month globally pre-pandemic. Yes. Yes. And in, in 21, so just last year, there were 500. Okay. In this year, we're already at 350. And you've heard, I mean, they're turning around international flights back to their point of origin and to get passengers off the plane. I mean, it, okay, so humanity is not well. But I think as we're talking and, and you know, leaders are listening, thinking about their people, it's a loss of creativity. Hmm. I had a, I had a <clears throat> unnamed leader of a very popular podcast tell me, he says, look, I just can't create content anymore. He's like, I don't got it. I, I find it really difficult to be creative. Um, it, it is the lack of grace for people who fail you uh, or just irritating people. Just I just say irritating people. I used to have a little something for irritating people. You know, I could overlook the, the lady in the grocery line who's in the 15 items or less with 30 items. You know, that gal. Uh, you know, I overlook it. She's having a bad day, whatever. Okay. I got nothing huh. for irritating people now. So that would be another sign. The short-term memory loss is a big one. Wow. So you pick up your phone. You don't remember who you were going to text, mm. right? You, somebody says, hey, did you get that email to me that you... And you're like, I do not even remember what I was supposed to send you. Can you tell me again what you were asking for? So these are actually all classic indications of trauma. Really? Okay, trauma fragments. Oh yeah, trauma fragments the brain. It fragments attention, short-term memory loss. 
um, exhaustion. Mm. People are going to bed really early. Yeah. <laughs> and and th- like people are relieved when you don't ask them out to dinner. It's Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. And, and a friend of mine confided to me, he says, I am so glad no one's throwing a, a barbecue because like, I don't want to go. So it's, it's, yeah, you, you have a diminished desire with, for human contact. And when you are in human contact, you, you've got less to offer. So these are, these are all symptoms of the battered human condition going forward now. And, and what I'm concerned about is that we're, so that's our state, that's our shared state of being, <clears throat> but everyone's back to their, their normal life asking them for 100%. Your kids are asking you for 100%. Your company's asking you for 100%. Your, your church is asking you for 100%, but you aren't at 100%. That's a problem. You know, I'm running your symptoms through the last week. And I, you know, you and I were checking in and I said, you yeah, know, I'm pretty good. I would say like, I don't know, six or so. Actually, that that dinner I was telling you about with friends last weekend, uh, I gave it a six and a half out of 10 on a scale. And the reason it's probably not an eight, I was out with a friend who I haven't seen in a few months and we were out doing stuff and he was being a little bit argumentative with me just over a couple of things like I won't go into details. And I, I'm kind of used to it. He has opinions on stuff and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. It's not a big deal. But then I found myself getting kind of up in it a little bit. And like I finally just said to him, have you read anything on this? Like, <laughs> like what, what are you doing? Like normally I would just let that go. Yes. And then my wife had somebody who kind of went ballistic on her in a parking lot at Costco because she didn't put the cart away right, the shopping cart away right, or something like that. And it's little things, and we're like, what kind of weird thing is this that we have? And I pulled some leaders who are in this thing now called the Art of Leadership Academy, and I just said, hey, compared to a year ago, how are you feeling? And the majority said that they are about the same or more tired and more depleted. And it was, yeah, a small, like 46% said they were slightly more encouraged or more encouraged than they were a year ago. But yeah, it's wobbly right now. It really is. And a year a year ago was not a great time. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, right? It's <laughs> so, like, okay, yes. so you're no longer burning in the center of the pit of hell. You're just yes. a little bit outside. Right. Yeah, oh it's like gosh. asking soldiers at the front, hey, was it better last week? You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, yeah. you know, I had this guy working on my house, and uh, he was going to do a project. He was doing two projects for us. And I met him in the driveway last week. And I said, yeah, when we were away, did you do project number one? And he looked at me like I had 12 heads. And he, he's my age. He had no memory of it. And then I, and it was a long conversation. Like he came to my house. We looked at the house. We discussed how he was going to do it. It was about a half hour conversation. And then finally it came back to him and he goes, you know what? I, I do remember now. And I just totally forgot. Yes. He wrote it. And that I didn't is, know that was a sign of trauma. It is classic. And it is very, very common right mm. now. I have, I have a staff of 18 and I'm having to overlook all sorts of simply forgotten things. Mm. I, I forgot that email that you sent me. I forgot you asked me to do that. I forgot we committed to, you know, yeah. So this is 
it's the cascade effect now. This is where we are. You, you, you know, you, you don't just walk away from two years of intensity, even if you don't want to call it global trauma, two years of intensity and uncertainty and just bounce back. Yeah. So let's get into recovery and prognosis. And I know we'll spend a lot of time there, but um, you know, you think about early childhood trauma or a traumatic car accident or traumatic illness or the death of a spouse, there's sort of a, a recovery window and predictable signs and stages, etc. What about for the human condition at this point? Mm. What should we be looking for moving forward? Uh, symptoms in ourselves mm. and then paths to healing. Right now, what we're looking at is global denial, <laughs> which is symptom <laughs> one. Uh, um, that didn't happen to me. I'm fine. Um, and they're predicting this summer to be the biggest travel summer wow. ever. So people people are rushing out to get joy and get you know happiness back, and they're traveling overseas again. But it won't work mm. because a couple weeks at the beach doesn't heal trauma, and, and it doesn't heal two years of of high level stress. Okay, so I think what we're going to see, you see the initial stage of denial, which is where we are right now. Everything's fine. Don't talk. We just don't even want to talk right. about it, right? Let's get it in the rearview mirror and let's get on with things. Um, but then the things that, that we were just discussing, you're going to see the high levels of anger uh, in human behavior. You're going to see the fragmented attention. You're going to, the diminished capacities. We are at diminished mm. capacities, right now, people's performance right. levels, that kind of thing. That's not going to climb up unless people take care of their soul. It will, the, the reserves will continue to go down because the math is really simple on this. It, in order to replenish reserves, you have to have periods in your life where more is coming in than is mm. going out. Right. This is why people like week. They like people like weekends. You know, you're not on email. You're not, you know, because because you have a little bit more coming in. You're gonna, you know, enjoy dinner on the deck, or you're gonna take a walk in in the park. You can you have more coming in than's going out. You have to arrange for that in order to replenish reserves. Okay, if you don't do that, then what we're gonna see carries is continued diminish human performance, diminished. Um, ability for social connection. Uh, people find social connection exhausting right now. And so I'd rather not, you know, and so they'll, they'll back away even more, some more isolation. Uh, and it, it doesn't bode well if we don't care for our own souls and the souls of the people who are in our care. How, how do you rebuild? I want to drill down on social connection because I think that's a really good point. There was a point in 2021 where I said to my wife, Tony, we're just going to say yes to every invitation that comes along the way, right? <laughs> yes. It's like we were so hungry and we had a bit more of an extended lockdown in Canada, like yeah. more similar to California, New York, or maybe Colorado yeah. than Texas or Florida, right? You know, we were just hungry for it. But then I've also had the feeling where there are, I read a piece, I don't know if it's in the New Yorker or Atlantic or whatever, but about... Um, last minute cancellations are becoming all the vogue. Somebody develops a little cough. It's like, you know what? We're not coming tonight. And it's creating this global relief. So I felt it on both sides, right? Wow. There um, it is. 
see that people experience relief when they get to get out of something mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. going. Like going's not the joy, not going's the joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's depleted. That's depleted reserves there. So how do you rebuild social um, volition? And I'm also really concerned because we've become so fractionalized. We're having a number of conversations this year just about the polarization on this podcast about polarization. And, you know, even, even the psychology of we had to be suspicious for a season of each other, because if I met with you face to face, you could infect me or I could infect you. Yeah. And that was a fairly new thought to me. I forget who shared that with me. And I'm like, you know, you're right. Like we, we were trained for a period to see each other as the enemy. And then we went through an election cycle or two and we realized more people were crazy than we thought. And they think we're crazy. And we got into conspiracy theories and, and we're socially depleted where our reserves are depleted. So how, how do you begin to rebuild social resiliency, capital, desire, even mm-hmm. a longing to connect with other humans again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is I think the longing's there mm. because you were feeling it yourselves. Yeah. You know, let's say yes to everything. You know, <laughs> the, we're made to connect. And so the good news is that that deep desire is still there. You have to first attend to your own well-being because if you feel spent, if you feel like you're gassed, you're just running on fumes on a Friday night, you're not going to want social connection. Sure. So, so we can talk about you know, tools of recovery. Um, on a little side note, I, I, I'm actually looking forward to when they finally release the data on the psychology of masks. Mm. Because when you we had to do it, I get it, and I. But I'm, I, I started telling everybody early on. I said, "Look, when you do this to every human countenance, fear enters in to social relations. Wow! Because this is what bandits do. This yeah. is what terrorists do. This is what kidnappers do. Okay, people with good intentions don't do this." And so we had to really work on smile with your eyes and, you know, all that, right? Anyone in the service industry was just grilled over and over again how to communicate kindness and caring with their eyes because we lost the human countenance. I think that's a deeply spiritual thing, right? Let me see your face is Mm -hmm. such a deeply woven thing in the scriptures. So before we can rebuild human connection, um, we we have to rebuild personal well-being. We really do, um, because that it, it 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 we're isolating ourselves because we're tired. It's as simple as that. We're shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So let's talk about that. And the last time you and I were chatting, I had written a book called "Get Your Life Back," yeah. and it, and it was about adopting some humane practices to your life um, just to, just for the nor- just for the crazy of the modern world like don't look at your phone first thing in the morning you know cuz you're instantly into the chaos like give yourself some bandwidth in the evening get off screens you know we were talking about things yeah. like that the healing power of nature and that sort of thing but what we need more than anything else we were talking about humans being deeply needy beings um, that the soul is healed 
through union with God. And union with God is not something we've taught people how to cultivate and to practice. It's not the same thing as faith. It's not the same thing as, as doctrine or, or a, a healthy creed. The soul is created for intimate union with its creator. And that's where the resiliency is imparted to us, right? I am the vine, you are the branch. We, we, we are literally made for a deep, intertwined reality with God. And it is from that place, and I, I will say that place alone, that we are going to be able to replenish these reserves and heal the trauma of this hour. So let's go there. You're taking me back to my roots, you know, my Presbyterian Reformed roots. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, as as you're describing union with God, nothing from the last 30 years is really coming to my mind. Um, But you think about some of the saints, the traditions of Christian mysticism, you think about even the Westminster Confession of Faith, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like our forebears were more connected to the idea of union with God. And, you know, being a seminary grad myself, if you're like, Carrie, define that, I'd be like, mm, next question, please, John. Um, how, how do you define that? And how do you yes. practice that, discover it, experience it? Yes. <clears throat> One of the reasons that the saints knew something we don't now is they did not have the war on their attention that we do. Mm. Right To live in this hour is to live without quiet. If you begin to cultivate quiet in your life, you will find God. Okay, He's not far, but it's just that, and I, I forget which philosopher said this. I was hearing this recently. It's absolutely brilliant. It says the enemy's current plan is not to try and talk people out of the existence of God. It's just to drown out with noise in their life, they cannot experience God because they have no quiet. Wow. Okay. So union with God, um, John 17, Jesus says, Father, I pray that they would experience with us the same union that you and I know with each other. So there there is a likeness of heart. There is a likeness of mind. There is a shared set of concerns, a shared set of joys, right? There is an intimacy that is cultivated where, you know, we are meant to have the mind of Christ. We are meant to have the heart of Christ. And and this isn't, I, I just have to stop and say that the world has got, so resilience is back in. Resilience is hip, it's cool. People are talking about bouncing back and, yeah. you know, <clears throat> but all of it is different than the Christian tradition because the, the Christian tradition thinks that re- resilience is imparted mm. by your creator. Paul in Ephesians 3, I pray that God would strengthen you wow. from his resources by his spirit in your inmost being. Okay? So if we just take that idea— yeah. It's not, it's not like wilderness expeditions, and it's not <laughs> mindfulness, and it's saying, look, your inmost being is created to um, be filled with the Spirit of the living God. 
Well, you have to have quiet to tap into that. Mm. And then, and then to learn how to enjoy your inmost being. We all have a shallows, we have a midlands, and we have a depths to our being. <sighs> and the shallows is, you know, what you had for lunch and the email you just read and the song from high school that's going through your head. And, you know, it's the, it's the fluttering butterfly of randomly associated stuff that goes through your, your, your consciousness every moment. Okay, it's chaos, it's distraction. That's the shallows. Most people live in the shallows. Okay, who's Nicholas Carr's book, The Shallows, says that the internet literally is doing it to our brains. It's fragmenting our attention. You have a midlands. The midlands is what scriptures call the cares of life. It's your aging parents. It's the education of your children. It's it's the lack of advancement in your career. It's the, it's the level of deeper worries and concerns. But down in the depths of your own being is the place of love. It is the place of joy. It is the place of hope. It is the eternal things. Everyone has an inmost being. That's the good news. What we have to learn to do is to tap into it. Mm so that you can experience the presence of God filling you there. How do you do that? <clears throat> you create, you, you, uh, you fight the war for your attention, okay? So you turn off the distractions. You learn to shut out the outside world. Let's say 10 minutes. For 10 minutes, you say, I am going to give my attention to God who lives within me. So this is a fascinating thing. Folks, where is, where is Jesus when you pray? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I tend to think not, I think I know where you're going, and I think yes. I'm going to give you the wrong answer. I tend to think he is without, not within. Yeah, the Lord of the heavens, perhaps. Yes, yeah, and he yeah. is, he is, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's not unbiblical. He is with us. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age, right? So people sometimes pray with a sense of his nearness. You're in the yes. room with me. But, but you see, what the saints understood through the ages is Ephesians 3, Christ now dwells within your inmost being. And it is there you must learn to give him your attention. Hmm. So that he can, uh, it, oh gosh, I was just reading this beautiful quote by Thomas Akempis where he says, his visits with the inward man are frequent and his consolation is great. So if we, if we will tap in to the presence of the living God within us and ask for it, we, what do we do? We ask for it. Pray Ephesians 3, 14 through 17. Like, ask that God, your creator, would strengthen you in your inmost being out of his resources. Like, let that, because we're meant to be amphibians. Mm. We are meant to be amphibians. We inhabit a natural world with bike rides and coffee for breakfast and conversations, but we also inhabit the kingdom of God, yeah. right? Where Hebrew says, we've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. We've come to innumerable angels in joyful assembly. We've, like the rest of reality is what he's describing. 
Okay, and and it is from the rest of reality that true resilience comes. You know, Jesus talks about the river of life flowing through you in John seven. Like there, there are graces, helps, provisions, and we're meant to be amphibians to be able to comfortably move between the natural and the spiritual. If you take a frog. Who, who is a real amphibian, if you take a frog and you just put it in a tank of water, it'll die. Mm. If it doesn't have a little limb to climb out on, if you just put it in a terrarium without water, it'll die. Huh. Like, like amphibians need to need move both. comfortably. Yeah, and we do as well. No, we do. Okay, so I, you know, it's all starting to connect the dots. I get that, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that stream. In a very practical way, I think about as somebody who's preached for decades myself, a lot of preaching, and I've been guilty of this, seems more like here's what you do rather than here's what you receive. And almost, you know, I always I always joke that Protestants got rid of salvation by works, but we brought it back in on the back end. Yes. Right? Like we just we just snuck it in the back door. So it's yes. like, well, did you do this this week? And then you need this devotional routine and you need this, and it's like, well. It's not much different than what we were allegedly protesting against. Yeah. So, you know, but there are probably some disciplines that help with that. Like I I sit there in the morning in my backyard and I'm fortunate. We're on a half acre, not a huge property, but beautiful. Lots of trees, birds, listen to the birds. I pray, I read the scriptures, et cetera. But my monkey mind goes crazy too. I'm in the shallows all the time. So, what are some very practical steps to help people access that kind of quiet and inner space? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So again, let's let's be clear. What are we trying to access? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are trying to access the presence of God nourishing our humanity. I am the vine. You are the branch. I need nourishment that is flowing from the presence of God into my being. I don't just need knowledge. I don't need conviction only. I don't just need information, right? What I need is the nourishment of the presence of the living God into my trauma, into my dreams, my, in other words, my creativity, my planning, my hopes for the future. I need the presence of God. So I want to, want to clarify that salvation means to be inhabited by Christ. Mm. What, what Dallas Willard would say is that more of me belongs to more of God. Yeah. Yep. So sure. okay. So well, just to clarify what it is, why do we do these things? Why why am I listening to that biblical podcast, or why am I using music to worship the Lord? What what are why am I doing these things? Well, I am trying to receive the presence of God into my being. To, to nourish, to strengthen, to make holy, right? To counsel, to advise. But what I'm after is Ephesians 3, that God your Father would strengthen you out of his glorious riches by his Spirit in your inmost being. So yes, the practices in the book, in, in, and there's prayers at the end of every chapter in Resilient, there, there are things the saints have done down through the ages, but what it is so if you put your hands together like this, this is the yeah. classic pr- prayer mm-hmm. uh, thing, you know, with palms pressed together, and then you fold your fingers inward. This is union. 
This is intimacy. This is union. You, you are looking for a communion with God in those times of quiet. You are asking him to saturate your being. You're praying John 7. You're praying that the river of life would flow from your heart as Christ promised. I was texting a, a friend getting ready for this conversation, and I, you know, he's going through a bit of a rough patch. And I said, hey, I'm talking to John Eldridge. Is there anything you want me to ask him? And he said, yeah, I've been using his pause app lately. And he wanted to know, and I thought it was a great question, what is the difference between a Christian approach to meditation and spirituality and pretty much everything else that's out there, which in many ways has some similarities, but there's yes. definitely a difference. Can, you, can yes. you explain the difference? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because the mindfulness movement yeah. has just got me, I'm crazy, I'm, I'm, it's, it's crazy making to me because what are you putting your mind on? Right. It is important to be aware of your thoughts and emotions. But the, the Christian idea is that we are centering our attention on Christ. Hmm. We, are, we, are, we are using mindfulness, you know, um, oh my gosh, that's such beautiful Eden imagery in the scriptures in Psalm 1 in Jeremiah 17. It says that those who meditate on the word of the Lord will be like trees planted by rivers whose leaves never wither and who bear fruit in all seasons. Even in times of drought, they will prosper. So it's describing a resilience. So the tree is getting its resilience from the river. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The river is God. You are the tree. Okay. So, so mindfulness in a Christian sense is, Jesus, I give you my attention. I give you my affection. If you simply take three minutes a day to love Jesus, just three minutes, it will begin to heal your soul. Hmm. Most people never do it. Never get to three minutes. It's true. I've been doing some workouts lately. It's funny about attention span because I struggle with it like everybody does. And I did even as a kid, long before technology. But it's like, hold this pose for 90 seconds. And I've got my watch going with the timer. And I'm like, gosh, 90 seconds is a long time when you're <laughs> holding the pose, man. Like, come on. That's a long time. You're right. Three minutes. A lot of people don't yes. get there. Yes, yes. So use things that help you. You know, for some traditions, it's icons. It would be an image of, of Christ or for uh, the crucifix. Uh, I think worship music is very mm. helpful. Mm. And I don't mean high adrenaline. Right. Workout music. Okay. Yeah. I'm, not looking for, I'm not looking for aerobics. But what I'm doing is music that helps me center my attention on Christ. Okay, and I'm dropping, I'm dropping out of the shallows, and I'm, I'm going through the midlands, into, and I'm in, in the very depths of my being, I am loving him in the place of hope, in the place of joy, in the place of love. I'm loving Christ. So one of the metaphors you use in your new book is the perfect storm. I want to want to shift gears a little bit. And you say, the perfect storm has converged over the human heart. I know we sort of started talking about that. Is there anything else 
about the perfect storm and the moment or the season that we're in yes. as people. Yes. Tell us more. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, over the last mm, eight months, I have received more texts and emails from friends, mature people who are giving up on faith. They're mm. giving up on God. Wow. And and I think this is the vulnerable moment. So we've talked all about, first there was the modern life, you know, which was just insane in itself. And then the pandemic rolls through and clobbers everybody. Now we're in this deeply, deeply depleted condition. And the enemy of our soul sees an opportunity to cause a sweeping loss of faith in the world. Paul warns about this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, look, before the climax of this whole thing, there's going to be a great falling away. And it's not thousands of people marching in the streets with placards, I hate Jesus. You know, it's not that. Okay. It, it is heartache. In your depleted condition, some heartache enters in. You know, infertility, uh, the company collapses, betrayal by a friend, an affair by a spouse, heartache enters in. And in that moment, the enemy pounces to urge us to give up on God. You see, he's not good. He's not for you. He's not with you. And I am reading texts from people who have walked with God for 40 years saying, I think I'm done. I just, don't, I just don't think I can hang in there anymore. It's too disappointing. He doesn't seem to be coming through. And what they don't understand is that in their vulnerable condition, the enemy of their souls has swept in to cloud and poison their relationship with God. How have you experienced that personally, John? And then how have you resisted it or are you yes. resisting it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I t I, and I, I talk very openly on this in the book and in our podcast because it happened to me last year. Mm. Um, there were a couple of things that I thought God had promised Stacy and I that not only did not come true, the opposite happened. And one of them was a real heartbreak in a relationship with one of our children. Mm. And that alone happens to every human being. We all experience heartache, okay? Yeah. Everyone has disappointments, chronic disappointment in their life. But in that moment, this cloud of darkness rolled over me. And, and for several weeks, I would wake up in the morning and wonder, am, am I a believer Wow. anymore? Do I even... Because I had lost what is, for me, my normal intimacy with God. And thankfully, I've lived in this work long enough to know exactly what was happening. Mm. I began to pray to reject the presence of the enemy in my life. I reject you. I make no agreements with you. I disavow you. Right. I choose God. And over time, the cloud began to clear, and all I was left with was my heartache. The mm. heartache is real. The heartache remains. The cloud does not need to be there. But, you know, as James urges us, he says, resist 
the devil and he will flee from you. You know, this stuff doesn't go away with wishful thinking. It is in the name of Jesus. No, I no, I'm not cooperating with this. I, I make no alignment with it. I don't welcome it. I banish it. And and the, and as I began to share this, so we put this on our podcast, Carrie. I, I told this story in a longer form, more openly. And thousands of people have reached out to us to say, me too. Wow. Not the heartache only, but that cloud, right? I've had seasons of my life where, you know, it was intense doubt. I remember it was probably, I don't know, years ago now. But I just remember questioning everything. Yes. And resisting it. And it's sort of a John 6 moment. Well, to where else am I going to go? Right? Who else am I going to turn to? Yeah. And and then and then, you know, on the other side, it it arguably deepened. But I've been also reading quite a trying to get my hands on stats of what's actually happening to church attendance right now. Yes. Yes. And almost every report I read, I don't think there's a definitive like you're waiting for the mask thing, what happens to human psychology when people wear yes. masks. I'm waiting for the definitive report on what's really happening to church attendance post-pandemic. But all the early indicators from what I can see are that 40 to 50% of people who were there in 2019 are gone. And there is perhaps a new influx of people that are coming in. So when churches are starting to report 60, 70, 80, 90, 100% of attendance, and those would be the outliers, it's not old people returning, it's new people yes. flooding in. Um, I don't know what you're seeing, but I wonder if some of that great doubt, that perfect storm is fueling the great yes. migration out of church. Yes, partic- yes, yes, it is, particularly among millennials. Yeah. Because, you know, we are, quote, deconstructing our faith. That's right. the, yeah, okay. But the thing is, they're not reconstructing it Yeah. with anything. It, it, it's not, and there are things that need to be seriously looked at. You know, there, there are injustices, there are problems, there is hypocrisy, no doubt. <clears throat> but the problem is, it, again, in their weary condition. We're not talking about resilient human beings, full of joy, full of life, thinking about their faith. (laughs) We're we're talking about people who have just come out of an automobile accident Mm. thinking about their faith. They're, They're thinking about it with a fragmented attention. They're thinking about it from a place of severe depletion. They feel like God is not coming through for them. Yeah, I, 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 I am deeply concerned about this moment. What would you say to a church leader, because you got quite a few of them listening, who's trying to help people navigate through deconversion, deconstruction, disillusionment, fatigue, depletion? What are some things, and, and they're going through it themselves, right? Yes. I'm sure. Yes, exactly. They're, they're also navigating this as a human being. Exactly. Um, what do, what do you say? That, how, how do they lead in that context? I, you understand that I want to say like 16 things right now. You can <laughs> so say all you I, want. We well, got all the time well, in the I, world. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having to quickly um, <clears throat> what your people need is the experience of God. Not just the knowledge of God. 
They need the experience of God. So is your uh, worship, um, you know, your, your liturgical structure, whatever it is you do in your gatherings, does that usher people into the presence of the living God? Okay. Um, what can help? Well, okay, so the second thing I want to say is Romans 5. At the cross, Paul says, where did God prove his love for you? At the cross. The, the, the thing is, everyone is holding out this ace. Yeah, but, but we're infertile. Yeah, but he didn't heal my mom of cancer. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still unemployed. Everybody's got this ace that they're holding against God. I will know God's good when. And we have to remind people gently, kindly, lovingly, folks, look, you have never been loved like this. No one has ever done this for you like what Jesus did for you at the cross. Where did God prove his love? It is without question in the sacrifice of his son. We have to start there. Because if you just look for a change in circumstance, you're on the roller coaster. Like, like you'll never get off that, that ride. It's going to be a great day, a terrible day. A great day, a terrible day. God is good. No, he's not. He's with me. I, you know. Um, but I think I, I want to come back to the idea of union. What, what we have not taught is, the, is that salvation means to be inhabited by the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what it means, to have Christ dwelling and, and not just like somewhere remotely and, you know, but literally filling our humanity. We experience union with Christ. We must recover that because that's the only thing that's going to heal the human condition in this hour. What brought you out of your period of questioning last year? Union with Christ. Yeah. Because, because I had practiced it before this hit because I had already cultivated a very deep life with God. So, but, okay, just to push a little bit further, why didn't you just stop that practice? Why well, did like you go you, back? Where, what, you know a better option? <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Right? Like, I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. But there, there is no other life. I always think of Nietzsche, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a dark hole. That's a really dark hole. Nihilism, existentialism, yes. like it gets in deconstruction itself. I mean, I yes. studied deconstruction when I was in university, long before it became the vogue that it is yeah, today. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like that just leads nowhere because you eventually see through everything and you're left with nothing, right? You're not converting right. to anything. You're just cynical right. about everything. And then... It's like, so that's how I'm going to live? No. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing at the end of that road but despair. Hmm. Um, what else would you say to leaders in this moment? What do we need to be paying attention to? Uh, I, would, I, would, I want to ask this question. What is your greatest worry for leaders moving forward? Well, <clears throat> I'm sure you've talked about the CT survey. That What was it? 43%? of the clergy, it was back in November of 21, said that they'd rather get out. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I would say you have been traumatized mm. as a leader 
by being required to do absolute Cirque du Soleil gymnastics to make your church work. Like it's insane what is asked of the of the modern pastor. It is absolute madness. He no longer is the person who cares for souls. He's got to be a corporate executive, a real estate expert, uh, a, a psychologist, and a a semi sophisticated pundit on global affairs. <laughs> like it's just, it's insane. So I would say, name your trauma. Name your trauma. Write it down. What were your losses? What were your heartaches? What's been hard? What's been hard? Literally get out a pad of paper and just name it all. Name it, name it, name it. This actually works, by the way. Um, and grieve it. You say, this has been awful that I was asked to do this, that my people walked out because of masks, because, you know, all that stuff. Just name it. And, and this is what I wish had never happened. Because you have to first begin to care for your own soul before you can care for the souls of others. How specific do you get in that list of as, griefs? As detailed as you can be. As detailed as like you can be. when so-and-so by name said these words to me exactly. on this day in this context, yeah. it's that not email. like that email. Right. That, so you're, email, you're like going text. Yep. Exactly. Because the leading researcher on burnout, on human burnout, said that it is the accumulation of a thousand disappointments. It's not the big crises. We rally to crisis. It's the accumulation of a thousand disappointments. And if you don't attend to that, right, it just, it's death by a thousand cuts, right? Yeah. yeah. You hinted at you know, the church too. And I think, you know, I love the church. I'm planted one, led one for many years, yep. still very involved. And yet I think we'd all admit it's sort of sometimes crazy town as well. When you look at, as you said, all the expectations and that I always find it really interesting that it's almost impossible to find silence at most large churches now. Yes. It's just noise. Yeah. And I've led noise for many yes. years. Yes. What do you think some changes might be that would be healthy for the church if we want a more robust spirituality and a more resilient mm. church and body of Christ and a more resilient leadership? What are some of the ways of being the church that could or should change, John? <clears throat> um, I would say don't try and win the competition for the best childcare program. The, the best school, the, the best marriage workshops, um, you will exhaust yourself. You'll exhaust your resources on all that. You have one purpose, and it is to bring people into an experience of the living God, that you would know Christ, as the scriptures say, that you would know him. I mean, this is First John. Right? Yeah. He says, the reason we wrote this, folks, is so that you would know him and experience him. So you reset your priorities and you say, we are not going to try and keep up with the world and, and have the best financial seminars and the, and the best parenting seminars. And the, you will exhaust your resources. You can't keep that show up. Yeah. You, you say, we are here to heal the human soul through union with Christ. How do we get that done? 
and you will have so much fun thinking through the implications of that. It feels like a very different future for the church than perhaps the recent past. Agree? Could be. Disagree? Could be. Yeah. yeah. It, de- it depends. What do you see? What do you see <clears throat> that gives you hope? <clears throat> well, um, the most difficult fact for any of us to keep in front of us is that the story of God is still the story of the world. Right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the oh, it is the war for your attention. No, it's not. No, it's not. Ukraine's the story of the world. Elon Musk is the story of the world. You know, it's TikTok's the story of the world. Like, the story of God remains the story of the world. Hmm. Um, what am I encouraged on? There's a, um, for example, in Islam right now. Yeah. Thousands of conversions are taking place because Jesus Christ is literally walking into their lives. Uh, it's actually happening in the occult as well. There was a very large occult gathering wow. a couple years ago in, in Europe, and everyone present heard the voice of the living God, and he said, choose. And thousands gave their life to Christ. Jesus Christ is working in the world today. And and to hold that's what's encouraging. It's God and what he's up to. It's God in 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 his pursuit of the human heart. That's what's encouraging. You've got some really practical um, strategies and skills, and uh, I'd like you to walk through a few of them. And then you close the book with, if you don't do anything else, do this. It's a plea. Make sure you cover that one. But what are some of the strategies that people can, can adopt, embrace? <clears throat> well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the limits of a podcast. And so let me, let me give a little shout out. So we, prior to the pandemic, we built an app called the One Minute Pause. And we gave it away for free online. There's been a quarter of a million downloads. It guides people in very simple practices of stillness and communion. We are about to release in that app, in the One Minute Pause app, something called 30 Days to Resilience. Oh, wow. And it's a morning and evening, 10-minute, contemplative, guided experience through the healing of trauma and through intimacy with Christ. It's just phenomenal. You're going to love it. It's music. It's beauty. It's just phenomenal. So... Like, that's the best answer to my question is, yeah, go get that. Try it. Let that nourish you. Um, practices. So um, silence in the morning before the chaos begins. Silence as you close your day. Because the way you wake up and the way you go to bed uh, frames your mental experience. Yeah. Okay. Silence that allows you to practice benevolent detachment. I release everything to you, God. Okay. You, I was going to ask you what that have, means, benevolent detachment. Oh, you have, you have to learn to release it even for four minutes. Just do it for four minutes. Like, you can do it, folks. Like, I give everyone and everything to you. I give you my people. I give you the projects. I, I just give you everything. I give you the news report I just read, the latest shooting. I just, I release it because Augustine said, you must empty yourself of all that fills you so that you may be filled with the presence of God. 
I would practice that every morning and every evening. It, that alone will it will bring you mental health. I guarantee it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I think that we need to learn to be better amphibians. I would ask for what Ephesians 3 promises. Pray Ephesians 3, 14 through 17. Ask for the strengthening of the Spirit in your inmost being. Pray John 7, that the river of living water would flow from your inmost being. I mean, that's the presence of God. Like, yeah, ask for it, okay? <clears throat> but you said the one thing. What's the one thing? I would take three minutes a day and love Jesus. You will, you will be surprised how difficult it is to do You'll, you'll, go, you'll do it for about 20 seconds, and you'll look at your watch, and you'll go, holy cow, I've got – uh, but, but as you do that, you are winning the war. You're winning the war for your attention and your affection, and you're giving it to Christ, and he is, he is right there. I want to think a little bit about the future. If we get this moment right, if we become resilient, if we heal, if we actually heal, not just the escape mm. to the beach or Europe or wherever you happen to be going, but if there is a real healing, what is, what do you think is possible if we get this moment right? Well, um, we will be able to demonstrate for people the provision of God. We will have stories to tell, personal stories of the provision of God so that people will be one to him. Right? Humanity is hurting. Humanity, there's not a lot of options left no, for humanity. We're I not mean, come doing on. particularly well as a species. No. And, well, no. and they've tried everything. You know, there's yeah, nothing left. There's nothing left to try. We've taken the lid off everything. You know, there's literally nothing left to try. And so what they're doing now is creating an artificial universe to try and, you know, now you can try all sorts of new things. It'll be perfect until people arrive. You know, yeah, exactly. It'll be fantastic. <clears throat> Um, I, I think there is the possibility that, well, I'll, I'll just share a story. So, um, I asked Jesus in a, in a time of prayer, um, where I said, Lord, it does not look well. The future does not look well. What are you doing? Show me what you're doing. And in in a moment, whether you want to call it a vision or an impression or a sense or a picture or um, what he showed me is that Jesus Christ is personally introducing himself to millions of people in the world right now. Wow. And I told you about the—you can read uh, Wind in the House of Islam is the book by a University of Chicago professor, Wind in the House of Islam, on the conversions going on within the Muslim community. Um, like, he is. Like, it is taking place. And so I think I think we could be a part of that if if we truly have union with Christ. Well, that's a really good place to end, John. Thank you. So the book is called Resilient. It's out and available now. And if people want it, it's the pause app, which is available on the App Store, Google Play, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, it's free. It's free, which is amazing. And then uh, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, wildatheart.org. Fantastic. John, it's been a joy. Thank you. Yeah, I always enjoy chatting with you, Carrie. <laughs> Thank you. I really do. I, I love you. You're, you're working very intentionally to blend head and heart. Mm. Thank you for that.
the only thing that's gotten me this far, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, often they get separated. They get separated in the faith. You have heart people, you have head people in academics. Yeah. It's all heart head. And, you know, then you get into the the heart stuff that's sort of the self-help, whatever, whatever, woo-woo stuff. But I think, I think Christianity, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this verse a lot because I'll be preaching on it soon, but it's love your God, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, which we forget soul and strength. Yes. And I think when Christians do that, well, God is glorified. Yes. And they are healed. Yeah. Oh, wow. If they, if they will do that, Mm. they will be healed through union with Christ because it's the human person. So that's your personhood, your heart, soul, yeah, mind, yeah. and strength. You, you, as you love Christ, it opens your humanity to his presence. And then, and then he is able to love you in return. You know, I'll, I'll say one more thing too. I, I forget which book. This might have been Wild at Heart. I don't remember. But the quote on the inside cover was, and help me with the pronunciation, Irenaeus or Irenaeus. Uh, yes. The glory Irenaeus. of God is man fully alive. Yes. Irenaeus? Yes. Did I get that right? The yes. glory of God is man fully alive? Yes, that's, that's right. I think about that a lot. I think about that quote, and that was what, almost 20 years ago? When yeah. was that? 18 years 20, ago? 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. And I think about it when I see an artist who doesn't know Jesus doing their art, a musician, yes really fully alive when I see dancers perform or actors act or, you know, when, when I see people just really get into this life, I'm like, yeah, there's a glory of God there. What, what does that quote mean to you? Yes, exactly. I know we wrapped up five minutes ago, but this is fun. No, this is great. This is great. (laughs) Because that is his intention. Mm. His intention is the healing of your humanity to the it is the restoration of the human race that's his, that's the goal here you know yeah. it's Isaiah 61 so the glory of god is as that happens right that's how i see it as well i agree with you it's the artist it's the it's the scientist it's the mother with her children it's um but there is something about when the gospel project is working People are being restored in their humanity, and it's just breathtaking. Yeah, we are intentionally created the way we are, right? With our limits and with our abilities and skills. And I think about that quote because, you know, three and a half decades into this adult leadership thing or adult living, whatever you want to call it, it's very easy to develop a skill set. And John, I find it very easy. Like, I know how to write a post. I know how to write a book. I know how to deliver a talk. But am I really squeezing every ounce of energy God has put in me Mm. out of me? You know, the Mm. way a musician would really play guitar or Mm. really lay down that vocal. Mm -hmm. Am I really doing that or am I kind of phoning it in? Am Mm. am Am I relying on the formula, relying on the memory? Or yes. is it really all of my heart, all of my strength, yes. all of my soul, all my mind, you know, the glory of God, am I fully alive? Yes. That quote has challenged me so That's many beautiful. times. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, because what I want to say is, and the rest of you, like there is the brilliant writer, but then there's the rest of you. Yeah. There's the father, the friend, right? There, There's the all of all of your 
being alive hmm. and flourishing. Yeah. That's a beautiful vision. It is. It's the gospel vision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of emotional and tingling at the same time, so maybe this is a good place to stop. John Eldridge, thank you so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Loved it. Thanks. What a blessing thanks for, you are. Thanks, thanks for opening your platform to me. Thank you. Well, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> I enjoyed it anyway. And I needed some of that. I am uh, taking the month of July off. Now, you're not going to notice because the podcast continues to roll, but I started that a couple years ago and find it so helpful. And uh, yeah, so we just worked ahead a little bit. You're going to have uninterrupted service. And my team's getting some meaningful time off this year as well. So uh, I really hope that you take some time to care for you. Want to thank our partners for this episode as well. Make sure you check out the exclusive resource that Tidely has for you. You can go to increasegenerosity.com. That's Increase Generosity. Get access to free resources that will help you grow generosity at your church. And if you want to make a difference in Ukraine, Convoy of Hope is the way to do it. Go to convoyofhope.org slash donate. They're helping over 100,000 people in Ukraine already. And you can do more by giving to convoyofhope.org slash donate. Well, next episode, Terry Crews. You know, Terry Crews, Guardians of the Galaxy, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, White Chicks, and a whole lot of other movies. <laughs> he is, uh, yeah, everybody hates Chris too. He was on that show as well. He's going to talk about his journey from a tough childhood growing up in Flint, Michigan, breaking through in Hollywood, but then finding himself living a double life. We talk all about integrity, his bad experiences with church, finding real faith, and coming clean about secret addictions. Wow, it's a fascinating episode. Here's an excerpt. And Hollywood doesn't care if you lose your family. They just don't. It's like, okay, now well, we can put you in three more movies. You don't have to go home. You know what I mean? I'll just go from one set to the next. You know what I mean? And so that wasn't a problem. But the problem was, is that I was like, but who am I? So if you subscribe to the podcast, you won't miss it. And if you're new, please do and share on social. We love it when you do that. And I'm pretty active on Instagram these days, but we're on basically all the platforms. And uh, give us a shout out. Carrie Newhoff on Instagram, C. Newhoff on a lot of other platforms. Also coming up on the podcast, we have Brian Tome, Malcolm Gladwell. Just got Malcolm Gladwell lined up for the podcast. Ramit Sethi. Brian Zond, very excited to have him on board. Stephen M.R. Covey, Nona Jones is coming back. Patrick Lencioni and Tim Tebow. Got a really, really good year coming up for you. And if you haven't checked out my daily podcast, you can do that. It's a really quick thing. Literally, you can listen to it while you're getting ready in the morning, about 10 minutes or less, or on your drive to the office, or while you're making breakfast. It's super simple. It's the Art of Leadership Daily. Would love for you to check it out. And uh, just as a way of coming alongside you this summer, if you're not sure how you're doing, because this was, you know, John's got some stuff there that really surprised me too. I have a free burnout quiz. So text the word THRIVE to 833-777-8558. You'll be able to go through a quick burnout assessment. And then I send you some resources to get better. I burned out a long time ago, back in 2006, never want to go there again. And I've helped 50,000 leaders get out and stay out of burnout. I would love to help you do the same. So text the word THRIVE to 833-777-8558. We will get you the burnout assessment free. And I'm going to send you my Thrive calendar and a couple of training videos on that. So 
Why are we doing this? Because we want you to thrive in life and leadership. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next time with a fresh episode and I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership.